World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm the host, Jeff. Normally on this show, what I'll do is I'll have... Here's how the recording schedule works regularly. I will have two guests on, and each of those two guests will bring a story and summarize it for me, and we will discuss it. We will record two episodes in a recording session. But I have a very busy fall season coming up, so now here in early June, as we're recording this, June 4th to be precise, I am trying to get way ahead on the show. Uh, if I want to cover the second half of the year, that's just 26 episodes I have to record. I think I'm already, uh, I already have enough to get into July, but I'm not sure. So I'm going to try to record 26 episodes, and the best way to do that, I think, would be to change format a little bit. So here's how the format's going to be. Instead of having two guests to record two stories, I'm going to bring back some fan-favorite guests and do one-on-one episodes, and we're just going to plow through the uh, suggestions list. Uh, so this will be the first of three episodes featuring frequent collaborators. Uh, my dumbass phil corso that's him say hi phil hi phil <laughs> yeah good as soon as it came out of my mouth i'm like oh i hope he grabs that <laughs> joke and he did i i'm also recording tomorrow with uh Catherine marino and she's bringing a new guest we're, we're gonna record some episodes about horror movies uh so if you want to be up on that we're going to be covering a quiet place and, and veronica veronica Ooh. is a netflix original and then next week we're going to record about the brand new to theaters movie hereditary and the other another netflix original ritual and i'll be splitting up these sort of marathon episodes with those movie episodes and that should be like a a, a nice way to to split it up so that I don't have to just have single guest episodes forever. So that means between right now and next week, I will be recording one, two, three, four, five, seven episodes. And I already have, I think, three more weeks already recorded. So I will be 10 weeks ahead by, well, maybe nine weeks ahead by this point next week, because one of those three I already have recorded will be coming out on Thursday. Anyway, so this is going to be very good. Uh, You can expect... Um, I've already, <laughs> I, I've already, well, here's some of the, the guests I have lined up for you. I have, uh, other fan favorite Judd Matarang is going to come on and talk about three more. Uh, I'm probably going to, uh, see if I can get lots of, Fans have requested that we talk about Doki Doki Literature Club, so I think I'll have on Chris Luminello and Leah Patterson, who have been on the show before, to talk about that and maybe some other video games to break up the Suggestions List Marathon. Uh, I've talked to Tara Hansen. She's going to come back on the show to talk about a, a bunch. Maybe we'll pick out some more of the Japanese creepypastas. Did I already say Judd was going to be back? I think I did. Louisa Heron will probably be back on the show. She volunteered. Um, she doesn't think 
that she's good at being on the show, but I disagree strongly. All you have to do to be good at being on the show is uh, be capable of reading a story, which that's not a dig. Some people are not very good at reading, which I'm one of those people, which is why I frequently listen to audio versions of the stories, because I have mm. trouble paying attention when I'm reading things. You just have to be good at reading a story or listening to an audio version of a story and then talking about it with me. And uh, so that is how it's going to be. And the story we have up for you today is called The Showers. It is from No Sleep. The version that I got linked by our suggester uh, is on the Creepypasta Wikia. So uh, I'm not actually sure the author of this story off the top of my head. You know, I'm going to go back to the suggestion list to see who suggested it, and I'm going to type in the showers onto into Google with the yeah, word no sleep. There was, there was a username, Clover... Clover10176. 10176, yeah. Yeah. I wonder who that is. Let's uh, see, I'll click it. Yeah, I mean, that's just going to give you a list of their posts. <laughs> Things I should have done before the show. Oh, yeah, you're right. Dylan Sindelar, or Sindelar, S-I-N-D-E-L-A-R. That is the credited name on the No Sleep Podcast Halloween 2012 episode, which features the showers being read by No Sleep Podcast host David Cummings. So that's that. Phil, why don't you tell us what happens in the showers? I guess because this is a one-on-one, we'll just trade off between the three stories. Uh, Yeah, sure. That works for me. All right. The showers uh, o- o- opens up in that sort of uh, like kind of self-referential way that a lot of uh, stories like this decide to add color to the story where the narrator is talking about, uh, you know, in a kind of like passe way about all of those, all those urban legends that, uh, that different places have. And I never really believed in any of those things. But then some of them are true. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Which I, I mean, I don't, I'm not digging at that. I like it. And I think this author does an extra service to that by going so, so far as to create, they start to get into how, uh, the narrator is, you, he likes to make up spooky stories and like tell them and he'll like hear a little hint of a spooky story somewhere and he'll like elaborate on it and make up new versions. And so you kind of get the creation of this, this narrator, this character who, you know, at the outset is unreliable, but in this kind of like fun whimsical way where you know you're going to be questioning yourself throughout the story as to whether or not they're telling you the truth or not it goes further than to say talk about how it was uh how this particular narrator moved all over the country just because not for any particular reason because their parents couldn't stay in one spot just wanted to move around so they did and they uh they coped with that by being like the class clown a lot and uh things like that and so he touches briefly on having like uh you know uh, issues with authority or like not, uh, you know, the teachers not being a fan of them. It's, it's a little, it's a little weird how the story goes out of the way to say neither of the parents were, was in the military at all. Why not just add the military <laughs> thing as a reason for why you moved around a lot? Why be like, no, it's not that common reason why people <laughs> move around a lot. It was no reason actually. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I want to get, I, was thinking about that specifically, maybe getting into it a little later, but I, I think that the author is honing their their writing. You know, they're they're still figuring out what details are important to include, and like you know, maybe upon further readings, which ones 
you know, maybe can be condensed a little bit into a little less information. So, like, I feel like this author wanted to anticipate you going, oh, that must be a military brat because that's like a common trope. You know what I mean? Like a, yeah. a, a, a kid who gets dragged around and he just wants to twist you, right? He wants to turn you a little bit. There's a couple different parts in the story where he does do that and it winds up being like a little bit mouthy, a little bit wordy. I don't know. I'm I'm no fucking Amazon bestseller writer or anything, but there's like you know you can you can tell as a reader through having taste and from having read other stuff that maybe there are those different that those parts when a writer becomes more experienced that they um not that this person isn't experienced I really like this story quite a lot but there are those parts where you can maybe just condense those details uh, a little bit I'm reminded of. <laughs> of my cousin who, uh, you know, when he tells you a story, he wants, uh, a lot of the times, he's gotten a little bit better at this over the years, but a lot of the times he wants to give you every last detail of the story as opposed to condensing it into a storytelling format. And this yeah. isn't, this is by no means that, but there were those couple of parts where I was like, okay, this could be like, you know, this one sentence here isn't really necessary. Like there was one, God, the story is ca- is kind of long. I don't know if I'll be able to find it. But there was one where they were like, um, this was crazy and it seems fake, but it wasn't. <laughs> like, it's just kind of like on the nose like that. Oh, yeah. man, I hope I find it at some point during the Yeah, there's the there's show. a lot of, in general, um, that's sort of a trope of the, the creepypasta. I think this one does a good job of playing off of urban legends and even explicitly being like, yes, I made up urban legends and like yeah, changed that's, it's stories great. that they, people they, told me. They did a great job with that, I, th- I thought. It was very, um, a very engaging way to open the story as to build this kind of character. Yeah, I like it. And so anyway, he goes on to talk about, he winds up in this class with this guy who, although he didn't connect with many of his teachers from moving around all the time and being a class clown, uh, this particular teacher he connects with because of how, like, sort of, genuine this teacher seems to be he doesn't seem to be putting on any airs of like a teacher who might think that kids need to be treated in a particular way or anything like that but like will share like you know in the story he says he uses current like you know he'll make current references to in in a non-forced way or anything like that and so all the, the class winds up like mostly on this teacher's side a lot of the time and so on halloween there's there's a nice contrast actually I'll, I'll, i like a lot of parts of the story he talks about how like the lead up to halloween the, te- the 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 classroom has like the normal like you know smiling jack-o'-lanterns black cat cartoony decorations all up but then on the halloween class itself they walk in and the guy's got like candles lit all over the place and like all the you know there's like stuff covering the windows so that very little light is getting in and in the front of the room there's a stool with like one like angry face jack-o'-lantern sitting on it (laughs) and so the kids and i could hear the kids like walking into the room being like what the what the fuck is this (laughs) (laughs) yeah they all they all sound like aggressive meathead adults for some reason in this scenario i i know it seems unusual but that's just how it how you imagined it yeah and so everybody sits down again a lot of really good details mr mays grabs the kids attention by saying that like the paper that they have due won't be due until next week and like it's there's a little comedy in there too because one girl like he's like i'm gonna spend the whole class telling you this story and like one girl raises her hand and he just like preempts it completely with your papers should be due next Tuesday. And like everybody's like, yes, 
like you say, you know, I mean, yeah. you can hear the whole class going like, oh, yeah, like under their breath and shit like that. It's really, really nice uh, details. And so he starts telling the story. The teacher starts to tell the story about how him and a couple of college buddies were going. Uh, they wanted to do like a really wild trip after graduating college, a big road trip drive all around the country, sightsee, blah, blah, blah. They go all over Texas, California, Washington, all the way up the car and then back down. And they wind up in Nebraska at some point, which I, I think is later told it's Nebraska. And they uh, are just uh, bumming around trying to find a place to sleep. And um, they wind up sleeping at a hotel or they wind up like getting a room at a hotel. But then one of their friends is like, like, this is one of those details where maybe it could have been filed down a little bit. Like they got a thing at a hotel, but then a friend was like, oh, actually, my grandfather lives around here. So they got a refund from the hotel. I think, you know, I think it could have just uh, very easily like just said, hey, my grandfather lives around here and like left it at that. Yeah, it's 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 like. Just too, just barely too many details for no, for seemingly no reason. Yeah, yeah, but just, and not a lot either, just like, you know, a couple of them. And maybe like a little bit of like, supposedly, like, wordiness around some of the sentences. Like, uh, I feel like I'm being extremely nitpicky. It's really, the the writing and, and is extremely great in a cup, in, in, in most of it. Just a little bit of filing down and that kind of stuff. Anyway, yeah, I'll nitpicky shut, up, is, shut up with my teacher. Nitpicky is what we do here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, the teacher, uh, right, he's telling the story. Right. They get to the to this hotel. They fi- remember that the one kid's grandfather lives there. So they get the refund from the hotel. And then they wind, they go around looking for uh, the grandfather's place. They don't exactly know where they are. They, like, made a point not to bring any maps or anything like that. He's like, I'm sure it's around here somewhere in Nebraska, my grandfather's farm. And so he's like, I could have swore it's off of this road in Nebraska. And so they were like, well, let's just stop at one of these other farms and see what the deal is. And so they uh, see if we can, like, ask for directions or if somebody knows this other farm. They wind up stopping at at what looks to be a farm, but... Uh, there's actually just a couple of structures. They think one of them is a house, but it turns out to be like, just like a really big, like probably storage facility for livestock and uh, a silo, uh, a grain silo next, like out, outside, maybe somewhere off in like a short distance away. And so what they, they, they're going, they're checking out this livestock thing. And as they're looking around and seeing that nobody's here, they notice that there's like a uh, a cellar door that leads into the ground. Oh, the most beautiful uh, phrase in the English language. A cellar door, yeah. So they investigate it. They open up the cellar door, and it leads into this kind of like mine shaft. I got the, I got the feel of it, like really kind of like hastily dug out underground hallway that's been dug out so, somewhat underneath the ground. You know, they make a point that it's real rickety. The the wooden supports that have been put here don't seem to be like that strong and like that the hallway like is extremely irregular and like the ceiling dips down a lot in ways that make it really difficult to go through and it's lined by these uh, light bulbs and some of them are like flickery and all that so they're going through they're going down and it's like a long way oh yeah and uh one of the details is that they can like smell something really bad and <laughs> right <laughs> one of one of the details was that like they wanted to find out what the source of this rancid smell was, so they went inside the hallway. <laughs> this, well, like, you have to go inside. 
Yeah, that's true. But I don't know. I, f- I feel like a really bad smell would be like, ugh, ne- never mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go uh, back to the hotel or that guy's grandpa's house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go into the bad smell place. A foul, awful smell. I must get closer to it. So they make their way down this hallway, and it's like a long time. But then coming up upon the end of it, they see like a door that's like a really fancy door that looks like it. He says it looks like it belongs uh, on the outside, you know, as the front door of like a suburban house. It's painted red. It's got like, you know, a little bit of nice design on it or something like that. Their one friend goes up and knocks at the door somewhat comically. He's like, hey, anybody in there? As nothing happens, and as he steps back to step away from the door, back to the other two guys, one of the light bulbs, like, explodes out, and uh, one of the pieces of sheet metal that is lining uh, some of the walls of this hotel, uh, hotel, hallway, uh, falls down and, like, gashes him across the forehead. And he's, like, knocked like, silly, and down to the floor. As they're trying to, like, pick him up and resuscitate him and, you know, get him standing back on his feet or at least, you know, just trying to tend to him, the door is, like, becomes open, and they see illuminated from behind some of these... There there are some ten or so figures that are standing some ten feet away from them. Uh, It becomes clear over a few lines that these are... uh, It's a bunch of kids... And they're dressed in tatters, and their hair is, like, super-duper long, like they've never had a haircut their whole life. And they're, like, really gross-smelling. He notices also that there are these some—there's a, a, one light, he says, inside of that room beyond the door. The light is illuminating uh, the backs of these children, as well as, on the walls, some shower heads that are poking out of the walls— and uh, dripping some sort of a liquid. I'm not. I. I don't. I don't think it was maybe exactly 100 percent clear whether the source of the smell is like these like filthy children or uh, the whatever goop or liquid is spilling out of the shower heads. Yeah, it's 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 very the whole thing. It's like these people just sort of. It touched, like, briefly touched the very edge of some kind of Silent Hill hell dimension and never got yeah. deep enough to, to be, to really discover exactly what was gross or horrifying. They just got, like, the barest taste of it and then left and everything was fine. Uh, well, yeah, at first, um, that's what he tells the class. Yeah, they, like, rush their friend out and they say, oh, we were all okay eventually, blah, 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 blah. Class is over, goodbye. And so all the kids are like, whoa, Mr. Mays, you're, uh, what a cool story, bro. So after a while, this kid leaves this area again. He winds up going to college, majoring in English. Uh, and he talks about one time during his junior year where he was, uh, like out at a bar with some friends, I guess newly 21. He sees Mr. Mays at the bar, his old teacher who told this story back when he was in high school or something. He has a conversation, he goes up to him, and Mr. Mays is looking pretty worse for wear. He's uh, rather drunk. He's wearing, it, I, it must be his birthday because he's wearing a shirt that says, uh, I'm the birthday boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, uh, he's got his like head in his hands and he's drinking a lot of whiskey. The kid is hanging out with his friends. He comes up to Mr. Mays to make sure that it's him. He has a few words with him. He goes back to hang out with his friends. And then when his friends leave, he stays to talk with Mr. Mays. Mr. Mays is like being real, you know, he's like obviously like depressed. He's talking about a divorce and a kid that he had that was caught up in the divorce. 
And then finally the kid asks him about the story that he told. He uh, reveals that that friend who had got hit in the head with the thing, uh, even though in the story in the classroom he said that it was that everybody made it out, that this person was actually like dragged away by these children. Oh. I think, right? Am I wrong about that? He says uh, that, that he uh. died, at least. I think he said something <laughs> about how he was like dragged away by the kids. Yeah, I, I think it's that so seems long right. the story to be able to scroll through. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they he says that they they never found him. They took the guy and they have no idea what happened to Jack. Yeah, or no, Fucking sorry, Jack. Him. Jack is the narrator. They have no idea what yes. happened to nameless friend. Nameless friend. Yeah, he says, "Oh, Tim." No, nameless friend's name is Tim. Uh, okay. he's, I just found it. He says, Tim, fucking, he didn't make it, Jack. He laughed. His face turned suddenly to tears. Fucking took him, they did. Is this in England? <laughs> yeah, there's a couple weird things like that where yeah. I think the author might just be uh, British. You think maybe? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Fucking took him, they did. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple things like that. There's another one where, like, he's describing, I think, describing him drinking, and it seems like a, a British turn of phrase. Huh. I didn't uh, pick up sure. on that when I read it. So, yeah. So, anyway, Mr. Mays uh, leaves the bar, and the kid asks him, hey, where was that anyway? And the guy, he tells him it was outside of Broken Bow, Nebraska. He calls it Hell on Earth, if you ask me. Uh, and so it goes on to say that la uh, not too long from then, Jack got word that Mr. Mays actually uh, died of, I guess, like, c c cirrhosis of the liver because of a drinking problem. He died of a broken heart. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, poor Tim. It goes on that Jack graduates from college and he wants to go on a big trip with his friends. They go all, you know, they go through the Rocky, uh, the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, and, you know, it's, they're force awakensing a new hope at this point. They're, uh, just, you know, he's telling the same story just now from his perspective. Uh, yeah. and so, at the end of the trip, they're somewhere in Colorado, and he's like, hey, let's go to Nebraska and check out this spooky place that my teacher told me about. And so they're like, oh, alright. Uh, and it's him and one other friend, Steve, Tim, Steve, Jack. This must be a British person coming up with all these. Yeah, there's just all these very <laughs> short uh, Anglo names. Yeah, and so I also couldn't stop picturing Mr. Mays as Billy Mays, <laughs> the, the teacher who was telling the story. Oh, yeah. So they go, and they're, like, wandering around dirt roads in Nebraska looking for, trying to locate this place, and they're not sure if they're in the right spot, and they wind up driving through a forest that was in Mr. Mays' story at the beginning, you know, a, a little, you know, collection of trees that feel like they're reaching out to the car. And he says, oh, it feels like that's how it was, like how Mr. Mays said in the story. And so they are going through these trees and they come out the other side and they see a building where they approach it and it appears to be like some sort of, he says it doesn't, he says something like it doesn't feel exactly like what he, what Mr. Mays said in the story, but like a similar kind of building, like a really big barn that's like extra big and industrial and looks like it should house a bunch of livestock. Yeah, and then he, he actually goes and checks. Uh, he checks the, the silo. Building, yeah, the building they're in doesn't have a silo next to it, so he's like, nah, I guess this isn't the place, but yeah. we go in anyway. Yeah, 
And so they go in, he goes all the way to the end. They're like checking it out, looking all over the place. They're going back and forth out to get tools from the car to like check stuff or something like that. At one point when Steve is out by the car and Jack's still in the building, he notices like a hollow spot on the floor where it's there seems to be some kind of like a hatch or like a wood paneling. As Steve is coming back in, he like tries to jump on it to be like to make a loud sound and like, hey, look, it's hollow here. And as he jumps on it, it it gives and he breaks through it and falls down like this hole. And uh, he winds up like really injuring his knee pretty badly to the point where like he can't really stand anymore without like leaning up against something or supporting himself somehow. I think it specifies that he dislocated his knee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, that seems like a, a really, really bad injury. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it does. It's um, not like one of those joints where, like, your shoulder or even your hip, where it's just like it's, a ball it's not and a, a socket. A ball socket joint, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty it's, complex. Uh, one of those swinging joints. Not good. And he also hits his head pretty hard, so like he's feeling really dizzy, and he says that he's out for a while. Steve, uh, he comes to with Steve shining his light down the hole and being like, Hey, man, 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 are you okay? Can you get up? Is there some way for you to get up? And so he yells at Steve to, like, go get the rope from the car. And so Steve, so Steve runs out to the car, and so now he's, like, kind of alone in this hole, and he thinks he can, like, hear something moving. Uh, so he's in this hole, and to his left, there's this, like, uh, concrete hallway where, like, the walls and ceiling are all smooth concrete. So it's not this ho- this uh, hallway. Why do I keep saying hotel instead of hallway? <laughs> uh, it's not this hallway that Mr. Mays was talking about. Uh, it's this concrete hallway, and he thinks that he can hear something, like, scratching against the floor, like, maybe, you know, somebody s- stepping or, like, you know, dragging their feet across the floor of this uh, concrete hallway. He's, like, torn for a while about shining the light or turning it off. He turns it off, he shines it down there, and after a while, Steve isn't coming back with the rope. He gets, like, he starts to hear more stuff, is that right? He starts to, like, hear it, it making more nice, uh, noises. He feels like something's breathing, but he's also trying to be like, am I just hallucinating? Like, what's going on? He starts to walk down this hall, he starts to walk down it, and as he's walking down it, as he's making his way... Uh, he notices that there are these shower heads poking out of the wall at varying heights, and they're all dripping some kind of goop, and it smells really bad. He's, like, going down this hallway, and he's trying to make it down, and, and he's he's making it to the end, and he's nervous because he keeps hearing this breathing. Yeah, this the part where he sees the shower heads kind of rang hollow for me. This is like, words lack the ability to describe the way I felt when I heard the drip noise again, and uh, saw yet another tiny ball of liquid fall into the puddle. Yeah, I think yeah. I knew, even then, exactly what the source was, but I was endlessly trying to convince myself I was wrong. Yeah, a little bit later. You were looking for the spooky shower, and it's, like, not that spooky, except that you know that your teacher's friend died in this, in a place with spooky showers. So, I don't know. It, it just was, like, like building it up as if the audience should be expecting to go, oh, it's the showers! But, like, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't care. I know it is. I know. <laughs> yeah. And I don't care. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then the language also, that's what I always... That's what comes to me first is, like, the language, the words themselves feel a little belabored for, like, how it should be, like, kind of obvious that this is the place that they were talking about. 
Anyway, so he's hobbling down this hallway, trying to escape this breathing, which he's not sure whether or not it's hallucinatory. He comes to the door, right? He comes to this room with shower heads and the door, the red door. And so, you know, he, he, he spends some time here describing these details. He, he maybe leans off of the belabored language a little bit. I kind of sort of liked, I remember liking when I read his description of the door, how it's just, you know, he just describes it as he's seeing it rather than being like, this is the door that Mr. Mays talked about. So he, he says, oh, here's, you know, he talks about the, the ornate door, the ornate red door, and he goes through it and how he's hobbling through this. Now the hallway is this irregular dirt thing with wood panels and lights hanging from the roof. And he's like trying to make it all the way down. And I kind of like how the language here sort of supports the idea that all of this is new to him, to him specifically experiencing yeah. it as he is right now in this kind of like messed up state that he's in and just like kind of frantic to get out. Yeah, that was the word, the, 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 I don't want to say worse, the, the, the shower heads being like the, uh, was like the most belabored of this. A after yeah. that, I feel like it gets pretty smooth. Where he's just like, and then all of a sudden I was running down a dirt thing. And he, I know I said this already, but he, he doesn't make any, he doesn't stop at all to say, I recognized it from Mr. Mays' story. He's just trying to get out of there. And the yeah. the way the details about the setting are presented, le I, I thought lended themselves nicely to the feeling that now he's just trying, he's like in trouble. He's just trying to get out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He like makes it to the cellar door from the other side. It's locked. And he hears, a, he's like yelling out of it to try and get Steve's attention. He hears like some other voice. He looks back and he sees one of these kids that Mr. Mays saw. Really long, ratty hair, tattered clothes. Yeah, a, a, a real Sadako from the ring. Yeah, seriously. Eyes gleaming in the light with fear and anger and hatred. He hears a voice come from the cellar door. Which he takes at first to be as Steve's, right? But it's not. He says... He says that he's certain that this is Steve's voice. He said, it oh, says, yeah? hey, J hey, Jack, whispered the voice. It was Steve, I was certain. Open this up and get me out of here right now, yeah. And then the voice asks him, like, what do you see? And he's like, what are you talking about? And then the voice says again, just look at it. Tell me what you see. Uh, and then he starts mumbling. Jack starts mumbling back to this voice. And the voice says calmly, rest for a second. I'll get it. And I'm... Yeah, it's do you have any weird. Yeah, it's extremely vague. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if there's something specific that this person is getting at that I'm, that I'm missing. Yeah, I don't know either. Because then he opens the door. Jack gets out. And then he's looking around and Steve is nowhere to be found. And he's like, why didn't you open the door? What's going on? And Steve isn't answering. And then he hears Steve on the other side of the building. He's over by the other building. Yeah. Yeah. Like he didn't open the door and he wasn't the one talking to Jack. But who was and why were they acting? Why were they talking so weird with the tell me what you see? stuff well this yeah this must have i mean my my you know where i went is that this is some like spirit trying to i don't know uh I, I guess now we can get into like what the hell is going on right like yeah yeah we're this is pretty much the end of the story it just goes into like some of the aftermath 
It ends with he didn't find any information about the. Oh, oh yeah, and uh, also another important detail is like anybody that he asked about he because they were looking for this before they got here, and anybody that they asked like at, was like we don't you know I don't know what the hell you're talking about except for one person who they asked like kind of like a cheery gas station attendant person who was like uh, she was rather cheery except for when they asked about this and he took the care to say that she didn't get angry but she was became like quite serious and was like oh we don't do we don't deal with that anymore here upon hearing about these showers things that these kids were talking about and then she just went back to like being cheery and they kind of brushed it off so uh, after that he says that like he doesn't watch horror movies anymore nobody else knew about these showers or oh he says he he has never been to nebraska and won't go back anymore since then and then it ends with him saying like you know it comes full circle on the mr Mays thing it ends with him like yearning for a drink um and so you get the feeling that he's gonna follow along the sort of same path that mr Mays did and probably drink himself to death yeah it's such a strange thing like altogether the whole thing is just really odd like it's yeah it's not a there's a lot of good ideas in this story but it's not a fully formed story you know we just get a hint about whatever's going on with the showers that maybe there was some kind of horrible torture experiments happening to these children or something but i it's just i think it needed to either be like this was definitely a horrible torture thing and we're going to be way vague about the sort of ghosts here just like this is a haunted place because the things that happened here were so awful or it needed to be a little more clear about not give us a potential origin for what this is but be a little more clear about the rules of how it works I think it just needed to be one or the other. Like, you can either have a clear origin and the ghosts are just sort of flailing nonsense, or there has to be specific rules for how the ghosts work, and the spooky thing is you don't know where they came from. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would have liked a little bit, just like a touch more detail into into what the ghosts were about in some direction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I find it very satisfying when ghosts in a story have rules that they follow. And this one touches on that because the ghost is it seems that there is some malevolent spirit who is interested in this child ghost that for some reason like you have to interact with the child ghost in some way to get it to not kill you or you have to interact with this ghost who is outside the door in some way to get it to not kill you but because it doesn't really give us enough detail and then the story just kind of ends we never get the satisfaction of knowing what the correct way to interact with these ghosts to get them to not hurt you actually is yeah yeah like in the ring you have to pass the videotape on to not be haunted anymore I mentioned that just because we already brought up that there's like a ring girl in this. Um, yeah. In Paranormal Activity, there the canon explanation after all six films is that witches did it, but if we're just taking the first film as a singular piece of media, what it seems is happening is that the demon does not like being antagonized and also extremely likes the attention of being filmed and so is sort of reacting to that, but then 
then there's also the subplot of which, and this is also, I think, yet another viable rule set for a ghost to follow, uh, that you are cursed by familial relations in some way. Like, your parents or grandparents did something bad, and so now the ghost is haunting you. And I think these are all, like, different ways that you get ghosts to interact with people in predictable and spooky ways, and it becomes less spooky to me if there seems to be some sort of rules, but we never really figure out exactly what like how the ghosts work yeah i see what you mean it's it also has that sort of you've seen the 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 movie silent hill i haven't oh really okay i'm not sure in what way it's different from the games but in the movie um i think it works this way in the games too uh but in in the silent hill motion picture from 2006 uh the woman is like walking through what seems to be an abandoned but fairly normal town and then an air raid siren will go off and everything will get spooky and Hmm. then when everything gets spooky you see like the walls transform from just like dusty to being covered in that signature bloody rust of the silent hill franchise and you see like spooky features grow out of the like floors and walls and ground and that is almost what like the type of transformation we see happening here with the showers like this was a normal barn but now because you were looking for the showers it's the showers Oh uh, yeah, but I don't. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, it's it's very vague. You mean to say that it maybe wasn't the same place? Oh, I yeah, I think that he was correct in his assessment that this was not the same place. Mm. I latched on pretty smoothly to the idea that the silo just got taken down somehow. <laughs> See, I was thinking that he would discover when he got out, like on the other side of the building, was the wreckage of a silo, or th- that it got covered up with vines and they didn't notice it until they were leaving but they never did that and because they didn't add any detail to be like i guess there was a silo here or there still is but we didn't notice it my assumption was that was the author indicating to us that he was correct and this was a different place a different place that just became the showers yeah or like the showers is some phenomenon that happens in multiple places in Nebraska, maybe. Well, yeah. It, like, this is a different showers, maybe. Even though it wasn't, like, made specified, I found it pretty easy to latch on to the idea that these were, like, some ethno-state, like, middle America religious cult kill a bunch of people, lottery, you know, the lottery short story style, <laughs> Nazi-adjacent, you know, k- kill a bunch of people with these chemicals from showerheads. Yeah, that's true. The the woman's reaction to them asking about it, like, we don't do that anymore yeah. type of thing. Yeah, that makes me think Something that it like was that, also, yeah. like, sort of a... We used to we used to kill kids around here, but we don't we don't truck with that anymore. But also, we haven't reckoned with it really. Yeah, and maybe maybe this. And now that we're talking about it, maybe this. I had thought while reading the story that this was the same place that the silo just disappeared for one reason or another over the course of the years. But but maybe there are a number that this sort of thing was done. If my thoughts about it being like this kind of like. like sinister cleansing of some kind maybe it did happen in more than one place and this is a different place yeah that's that's what i'm thinking that 
if the showers them if the the place of the showers is not a supernatural place but is just haunted because of the bad things that happened there then i think then i think that this is a just a different showers but it also could yeah. be that the showers itself is a silent hill type of place that will manifest in these abandoned locations that's enticing also the he does take a detail to talk about how when he comes out of the nice door he like jumps over or like dodges to avoid this piece of sheet metal that seems to be out of place you know, and you get the sense that it's the piece of metal that fell and killed his teacher's friend. And maybe then, if this is a different place, that these showers are just a haunted Silent Hill place that that come into existence in, in different spots and places for different people. Yeah, yeah, like, it's it's such an interesting concept, right? The The idea that there would be a haunted location that is, like, shunted away into another dimension, and when you enter an abandoned place, it becomes that other dimensional haunted location, even if you're- Yeah. Even if two people at two different times are entering two different real physical world places, they're still entering this same supernatural place. I think that's a right. really yeah, fun- yeah, yeah. I think that's a really fun story concept, and I wish that it more- It is. Uh, yeah, I agree. Oh, you know what? Uh, Dianea House dealt with that a bunch. That there was this just, like, one haunted house that existed in a bunch of places all at the same time. And when you went in, you went up to, like, a second floor of the house that didn't exist. It was just, like, that That idea is something huh. interesting, and I don't, I don't think a lot of horror stories deal with it when really they could. Because um, yeah. I think that audiences are familiar Entering enough- Entering, like, a pocket dimension. Yeah, exactly. I think audiences are familiar enough with the the concept. It's like uh, a joke I used to, uh, I know, at least me, I think other, I probably picked it up from someone else, uh, but in college, people used to joke that every river road in New Jersey was the same road. The same river road. Because <laughs> there's so many rivers in That's New Jersey. That's so funny. And therefore, yeah. so many parallel roads named River Road <laughs> that are all just yeah. interminable and have... A quick check and one uh, decrepit uh, auto repair shop every couple I was miles. on such a river road earlier today. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, my grandparents live off a river road, which has not a quick check, but like a deli grocery. Yeah, I, th- I think I might have been on River Road in Fairlawn briefly today. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's uh, River Road there where I was because I stopped off to get a, uh, a coffee at 7-Eleven and I, I believe that briefly crossed me over River Road, the great, the great single road of New Jersey. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I, you know what? Maybe that'll be a creepy pasta I write. I, I, I'm Ooh, River Road. Yeah, it'll, yeah. Be, it'll be about going on to. You know, we covered uh, recently that story. If the strange, if the stars look strange, be wary. This also dealt with. In this case, it was rest stops that were all very similar, if not identical, and spaced exactly an hour apart from one another on the highway. 
yeah, so, yeah oh, there's a lot yeah. there's a lot of precedent for uh this this type of idea yeah uh do we have any final thoughts on shower the showers before we go to our spooky parts no I, th- I think we probably i think we hit everything all right what's your spookiest part then spookiest part this is tough because it's dense there's a lot of there's a lot of parts to the story yeah i'm you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna go with the real yeah, you, the real basic option on. and i'm gonna say the uh spooky child in the dirty sleeping gown is is very spooky to you yeah that's just a a classic uh spooky image of a child just in like like a gaunt child in dirty pajamas just sorry that's spooky somebody did something bad to that child to turn it into a ghost and now the ghost is gonna punish the main character the vague nazi adjacent stuff is always very spooky to me yeah yeah it's it almost feels a little inappropriate in this story uh i wish it had been more more of the stuff like that old lady that they encountered who seemed to acknowledge that the showers existed. I think more of that would have made me feel more okay with it rather than, like, merely alluding to the idea of this, um... Yeah, I just wish I, uh, I knew what the author's intent was, maybe. I I, I wish I could divine from the details what more definitively what the author's intent was, whether or not they're trying to draw some parallel between, you know, like a a very extremely fascist form of torture. I think they are like middle America kind of like everybody like us, you know? Yeah, the narrator explicitly says that the child looks like uh, a picture of a Holocaust victim. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I like he's Definitely trying to do that, and I think the shower heads with their mysterious liquid is another thing. Like they yeah. they were they were doing medical experiments or uh, on children, or perhaps just like poisoning them in the showers. Um, I think yeah. that I think that much is explicit, but I wish that. Yeah, like, I wish the motivation had been explored more and made more clear to us, because uh, I, yeah. I don't think that the author's intent shines through as well as perhaps they thought it did. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, do you have a spookiest part? Or just the... Uh, well, that, I, yeah. I think the sort of the Nazi evocative imagery. Like I, uh, but like we're saying, I think uh, it could be maybe made spookier and and more grounded as well with some of those details. Yeah. Oh well. Next time, uh, author whose name I forgot, Clover, Clover, <laughs> ten, Clover ten numbers. Yeah. Uh, well, I, we found the real name from the. Oh well. Uh, let's get into <laughs> our. We said it. Just cl- clip that part out and paste it uh, over here. Yeah. Uh, rewind. I'm sure the listeners remember. They're very good at remembering things. Tell the people where they can reach you online and see more of your work twitter.com <laughs> at kid corso N- no spaces i thought you were just gonna say that your website was twitter.com well uh, yes my fa- my website twitter.com yep. Uh, Twitter.com slash Jack is where you can interact with Phil if you don't like the things he said <laughs> on the show. If you do like the things he said, then yeah, his yes. positive if you account yell, is Kid Corso. If you want to yell at me for the things that I you don't like hearing me say on the show, go to Twitter.com slash Jack and yell at that person. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, that person is Phil. <laughs> uh, it's if it's all, me, all, and you didn't like what I said, so please go ahead and yell a lot at me. <laughs> Twitter.com slash Jack. Uh, you can find me tw- on Twitter, J3FK, Instagram and Snapchat, JeffJK, Patreon.com slash JeffJK for bonus uh, stories that I've written and also bonus audio things. I've been doing a bunch from seeing Reddit, but for $1 a month, you get all of the back catalog, which includes me reading a lot of creepypastas. Thank you for listening to the show, and I hope that you, you don't you. mind the new format too much. It's getting late, and I'm getting another drink. Cheers! Thank <laughs> you.